Welcome back, diary listeners. Thank you so much for returning. Uh, I'm doing the intros this week because Rico's off doing errands for our family. So thank you, honey. Um, this is, is it worth it? Part two of our three-part podcast and diary entry with Anthony Red. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. Well, I'm, I'm a product of Baltimore City public school education and didn't test well, so ended up, you know, at a certain high school. And I was sort of adamant, you know, that I wanted to learn certain things. And I would go to the library. I skipped, go- I stopped going to lunch. I started going to the library instead of going to lunch, which saved me a, you know, ton of money, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and that's amazing, dude. Like, uh, you know reminds me of uh one of my favorite quotes uh of like uh you you're you're paying for an overpriced education that could have cost you a buck 50 at the public library oh yeah yeah the goodwill hunting mm-hmm. yeah I, I started going to the library and um oh man you know I, I started to learn about like you know like psychology and things like that so I had to take a psychology class in high school and we were learning about ghosts and stuff that had nothing to do with yeah yeah they were talking about mediums and we were watching videos and it was nothing like what I read at the library you know about psychoanalysis or so I stood up you know I literally stood up in class and was like look this has nothing to do with psychology I'm sorry when I learn anything and you know the scene in Jerry Maguire and when he quits the job gives a speech and he goes you know all right who's coming with me you know I, I sort of did that thing and literally nobody I had one of those moments made, but yeah nobody did a peep nobody moved you know nope. and I was I was quickly removed from the class but well, good <laughs> for you man they made a whole movie about that guy <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I had I had that moment. The teacher, though, I, I looked at the teacher's face, and she was, you know, she was hurt. She, I, I hurt her feelings, but at the same time, I know you're you're glued to a curriculum. You know, I have sympathy for that, but you know, I just that wanted was, to learn. I cannot imagine that was her curriculum. I mean, yeah, it was the school's curriculum that she's tied to. That she's, you know, I don't even like spirits. I don't think so. Because uh, yeah. I don't know, I that sounds like that sounds like somebody who might have proposed something that they thought, oh, this would be fun. I could easily teach this, and and the school was like, yeah, it's psychology. What do we really know about it? Sure, and then they just gave her the green light. That's what that sounds like to me. So that's probably why she was hurt was because she was like, oh shit, you know, like this this little asshole just called my ass out. Yeah. <laughs> But it was right. She needed to be called out. You probably helped her. Yeah, I I was pretty passionate. I mean, I took English 4 and we were learning Beowulf and Canterbury Tales. Mm -hmm. And I I, I hung out after school. You know, I had a crush on a teacher. I hung out after school. And I was like, look, what does Beowulf and Canterbury Tales have to do with Black inner city school, high school kids in 1998? Can't we learn like, uh, you know, uh, Catcher in the Rye or something like something sort of contemporary? I just was not connecting with Beowulf, you know, and she I wish we could. You know, she told me straight up, you know, this is, you know, what I'm allowed to teach. You know, and that was that. Huh. Well, I feel like. If I, if I were to critique that is, uh, it's not a good teacher that defaults to that because yeah. if it were me, I, I think I, at least at this point would say if I were to critique her, 
in hindsight, of course, it's unfair. Who knows what I would be like had I taken her position on. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't usually take on positions where somebody tells me what I can and can't do within the scope of what I know what will reach the people that I am addressing. I, I don't do that. I will Jerry Maguire it every single time. I will be like, I am not only leaving, but I'm going to burn this shit down behind me. Like, that's how I am. So for me, you know, just, and I know that's not everyone. I know that there are people who don't even think beyond the rules or the structure that is set before them, but I cannot, for me, if the structure doesn't make sense or if it's not working or if it's leaving, you know, we have this whole phrase, you know, no kid left behind that can't be just a saying that has to be real. And if it isn't real, then it's not working uh, for me. So, you know, with, with that, I mean, coming from my experience, you know, I had teachers where they would, they would hang out with me. Like they would let me skip, like skip lunch to hang out with them in their classroom so that we could have extra time. So they could turn me on to different things that, you know, and I'm sure that was, you know, not just me, it was other people's experience, but they did not allow the curriculum to be their, their God or their commandments. They didn't, they, they were like, no, I, I see this person. I see their talent. I see their, their, you know, genuine seeking heart to learn. I'm going to give them what they need. Come hell or come high water. If it risks my, my, my job, then it risks my job. But, um, and, you know, I think there's some parts of that, that the teachers still have, I think where teachers have gone awry, I think is where they're raging war with parents and parenting right now. Um, you can't do that. You have to work with parents and, you know, yeah, nobody's going to care about that kid more than the person that made them. And there's very few cases where that's not the case. Um, so, you know, that, that person has their child for a lifetime Whereas you have them for a, you know, a half a year, sometimes a year. Yeah. So understand that like, you know, you're, you're coaching someone, but you know, I, I think that if, it, if I were to say something to you in that moment, I've been like, well, there's nothing keeping you from reading these things. And if you would like, you know, to read them and discuss them with me, I, I would love to do that. We can do that together. I would happy, happily, you know, read some books that you find and we can, you know, if you want to dive into other things that strike you, that's fine. You know, the whole point of this, this whole thing is for, um, for me to know that you are digesting this information and that you are critically thinking about it in a way that is, you know, and that's, that's the thing about those curricula is that, you know, Beowulf and all that, they're classics that, that talk about very particular, um, hero journeys and, and, uh, you know, fortified frameworks of, of these iconic hero journeys that, that are, they're, they're meant for somebody to take those things at, at their core, at their structure and then look at other things in their life and apply them. So it's not, you know, I, and that's the other thing is that what, what was taught to me in my foundational, I was like, cause I had the same thing. Like, I don't want to draw fucking vases and, and like, I don't want to do still life. Like, when are we going to get to like the people? And they're like, well, the foundation and then the things that you learn structurally about the lighting, about the you know, the, the contrast about the color, about the composition, about all, all of this, you know, the structure, everything about this, this still life is applicable. The kind of tools that you're honing to do this still life will be there for you, no matter what you take on. So that's really probably what she should have said, instead of, I have to teach this. She should have said, this is structurally core. This is a parable that is core at its nature. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the things that you just talked about. This is what it does have to do with. And this is what you are supposed to take from this and apply to other portions of your life in any way that you want to. But if you would like yeah. to read more, we can read more. 
Oh yeah, that, that would have been appreciated. I, she was a first, uh, right out of college, I believe. Yeah. Something something interesting did happen senior year. I got into journalism class. Nice. I don't know how I got in, but they were like, you're going to take journalism and it's for certain students. And I was like, great. And we had a teacher, Mr. Roscoff, who was great. You know, let me do a poetry magazine, you know, design it. We did it on a early, you know, like one of those old Mac computers and the first digital cameras. We kind of worked with the Sonys and it was something really interesting. There was a, a little room with all these books and I said, hey, Mr. Roscoff, what's up with these books? And he's like, oh, they're damaged. You know, we just, we're going to throw them away. And there was Carl Jung and Nietzsche and uh, Paradise Lost by Milton. There was an astrology book. It was like, dude, these are, a Basketball Diaries was in there by Jim Carroll. It was like, dude, this is for you. These are books for you to have because they were torn or some of the pages were backwards. So I just took them. And, you know, I read them, you know, especially like basketball diaries. I mean, yeah, that was that was pretty dope. Well, and something I picked up from you that I don't do as much as I'd like to do, but I've seen people who do it is um, you note take within your book reading. Like you like to underline things and pull certain Mm -hmm. things out and put your personality in the book. And I think that's kind of distinctive knowing that you were given a lot of these books that were already kind of roughed up and you know they were taken out of common you know cycle anyway so it gave you the permission to like they were gonna get thrown away anyway so why not you know I still underline yeah I have to have a when I read I gotta like it's I don't I don't go back and be you know look for the underlines but it's like it seems important at the time to sort of relate to what I'm you know oh this is important you know you know it I don't is, tend to read books, so it is important. And as your son that you have now, uh, digest the books that you read. They'll see where you were at. That's why it's important, is because you know it's not about you rereading it and remembering what you were remembering at that time, though that could happen too. It's about having a book that your dad had and where your dad was at at that moment when he was reading it and what he noted. I think that those things, um, and that's why I like things like that now. At first, I was like, oh, my God, you know, you're writing in a book. Like, how, how awful. But, but, you know, as I've become, I think, more of an artist and more appreciative of um, just, just everything, mark making in general, graffiti, um, the idea of being in the now and present. and. Um, marking those things and kind of I was here kind of thing like the joker kind of like uh, you know oh, yeah. the joker was here kind of thing um those are some beautiful things they're they're the things that people those are the high art things um and uh they might not be recognized at the time but with time they usually are seen of like whoa this was pretty big, man. This is epic. So that's, that's, um, you know, if, if, if more people can like, I guess, uh, take on some of the things that you just do naturally, I think that would be great. Cause it would help document. Yeah, there's a huge documentation of all of your life and the books that you've read, you know, the, the things that you've made, um, the photography, you know, you've gone through all of it for the most part. The only thing that I don't think that you've really taken up is, the painting and drawing that's where I'm kind of more of it but the technology and you know photography and video and audio you've you've dipped your toes into all of that it's pretty cool yeah I remember I was like going to like Circuit City is like old electronic store and I saw movies playing on computers and I was like are you movies can play on these like you can really do some stuff with these computers like and I bought one uh, like I have a you know maybe I think like a computer like the natural affinity for technology and imagery and programs and you know it's just some things are intuitive some things are not mm-hmm. so, you know there are some editing things where it's like what 
is going on, you know, that's why I wanted to take the Premier Pro class because that was a program where I was like, I am not grasping this. Some things are not designed to be. And I think Premier Pro is one of those ones that it's like anything uh, where it's being sold and it's a product, Um, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of the other thing for the apprenticeship diaries is that you know, in tattooing, there's this huge like thing that's called gatekeeping, you know, like you're gatekeeping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of that when you want to make something commercial, because you kind of have to, uh, in some ways in order for it to be something that you can make money at. And in a lot of this technology, that's what I see is that, um, the, the, the lack of intuitiveness is really just a gatekeeping tool so that you, you know, buy this package or buy this, you know, course with this person so that you can better. And it's just all these things that kind of spin off of the next thing. If you were to teach yourself, um, you know, you, you end up spending probably as much as you would for a college class or education or whatever. Um, if you can be, I guess, I don't know. I'm not sure, but if, if you can, if you can, if you can see it beyond, beyond all of the, the gatekeeping things, I guess uh, you're able to hack it quicker, faster, and more intuitively just because you can see through it. But I think a lot of those things are set up as, as, um, as doors that make you open them, which, you know, being on the other side of it, you know, for tattooing, there's a lot of things that people perceive as gatekeeping that are very much so about us being cautious because I mean, just, just, uh, the other day, a girl tagged me into, um, a, uh, and I, I don't, it's not going to say a girl, Nicole Williams art. She tagged me in a beautiful drawing that she was doing, uh, as a part of her reinventing the tattoo assignment. And, um, it's a draw along and she was doing a hand design. And I just couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. It was a beautiful design, gorgeous. It would be an awesome tattoo, but it's a big thing in tattooing is that a a hand tattoo is no small thing. You know, you do not, a hand tattoo is not for novice. Yes. That's a gorgeous tattoo design. Yes. You know, when you are ready, when a person is ready, that is not something that you just do on somebody. I see people walking around just getting hand tattoos and they don't have another tattoo on their whole body. And it's like, no, son, you, you, that is your moneymaker. That is powerful magic you are working with right now. You do not mark your hands until you know how you make your money and you are vetted in that very much so. And as a person who delivers a tattoo like that, it's equal. It's a, it's a shamanistic kind of thing of where you withhold that access until you know that person has quote unquote earned it and that means that they are ready for that tattoo they have survived to this point you know their life the way they make their money you know enough about them to know that they can handle a tattoo like that but you never frivolously give a tattoo like that and I couldn't, I couldn't look at her beautiful design without telling her that. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I go in with like that. I know it's not often received really well, but it's very important. It's karmically important that, yeah. that, you know, that because it's not to be frivolous. Um, I don't think tattoos should be frivolous, honestly. Um, you know, and if they are, they should be in, in that nature. Like I have, dots in my ear that's my like frivolous tattoo um you know and whatever you know like it's dots in your ear yeah i got a star that was my yeah you're frivolous yeah just like hey you know it's it's summertime you know Mm -hmm. uh you know it's just like a design you know music i think like the comedy and like the music gatekeeping it's like um teenagers or teenage girls wearing band t-shirts and it's the joke of we'll name three songs <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah know, by the band, and know? we've become those people those old heads that that used to do that to us and you know um i think i think for you and i we were, they were probably presently su- surprised because i watched my grandparents generation of but that that's because that was the founding of that that medium like when it came down to like videos of that time like 
you know, the, the greatest generation that that's when video and all that stuff was like birthing and was becoming amazing to be a, a celebrity at that time meant you had to be so talented. You had to sing and act and dance and the full, the full package. Like you were not just this, it, you were everything, you know? And it meant something. And so I, I think to digest the the mediums and the art of my grandparents' generation, you know, like, uh, and now it's just, there's so much, but I'm sad because uh, our generation of, of video, like the, the late 80s and early 90s, fucking gold, dude, like gold movies such good movies and so happy man and joyous and groundbreaking um the things that they discussed everything it, it just it's so sad that that people are watching tiktok at ten, 10 second you know to a minute at a time and they're not taking the time to watch a good movie from our generation yeah it was the 90s or late 80s was like you could be wonderfully weird like oh my god since- Benny and June is a movie about two sort of autistic, autistic neurodiverse. Everybody was people. having sex with everyone else. Everybody was mixing <laughs> and mingling. You could be yeah. as weird as you wanted to be. <laughs> it was it was cool. I then you have like risky business where mm-hmm. the guys dance underwear, you know, to rock and roll. I mean, it was it was a independent studios could make movies and be picked up by major distribution. So yep. it was a really really unique unique time and things were they were raw they were not like you said they weren't independent films you didn't need these blockbuster budgets to make movies like and they were real too like um i was watching a um a backstage like um exploration of the breakfast club and here that you know it it took place in one room pretty much like and then a little snippets here and there of of this you know, cool. the school that they, it wasn't even a school. I forget what it was, but they made it, they dressed it like a school and it ended up being perfect. Or it was an old school that they refurbished just for this, like this one movie, but it was like virtually like just one room. That was it. And one of the actors, the geek guy, I forget um, his, his real name, but his mom and his sister were his, actual mom and sister in the film like they just casted oh, yeah. his real mother and sister as his co-stars i mean it's like that was the time and it's just it's so sad to me that that you have these films that are just like everything is cgi and it's like so ostentatious and and all the the colors and i've i've watched films now i not watched them i have i have looked at the first i think 10 minutes and been like nope that is far too much for what I can handle right now. Yeah, I'm really picky. If I if I you know turn on a story and I'm like, well, I kind of know where this is going, I really lose interest. I like to be surprised. Oh, where is this going? You know, it doesn't really, you know, if I catch on too fast, then I'm I'm disinterested. Yeah. For me, you know. it's it's uh as soon as I lose respect for the characters there has to be one there has to be one that i'm like what is redeemable about you why do i keep breathing in this world if you cannot tell me why i should keep breathing in this life then i don't want to watch this film because this is this sucks this sucks right. i mean i can watch a documentary and and watch that if i want to watch what human depravity can can produce but i don't want to watch a movie or a series where every single fucking character becomes somebody that I am disappointed in. No. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not, yeah. not cool. I like, I like documentaries and I think HBO is kind of like the standard. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've seen Netflix documentaries, but yeah. Is that guy, is the guy's name is Banksy. Banksy. Banksy is amazing. Um, his, uh, his one, um, Exit through the gift shop is really good. Yeah. And they have called Dear New York, mm-hmm. where every day he would do a, a piece, you know, on a wall or a, some sort of installation. One thing he did was he had a Grim Reaper uh, sort of skeleton like uh, figure 
riding around in a go-kart in a fence. So every day people would go and try to find the the Bansky, you know, and where's it going to be today in New York? And it was like a hipster, hipster treasure, you know, you know, I don't know, like Easter egg hunt. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. they were just trying to ride around and, you know, they had Mm -hmm. these regular, this regular couple, they had art gallery people. And and one time he, he did a, out of stones, he made a skull. And it was outside of like a mechanics place. So these guys got a U-Haul and loaded uh, the, the piece into the U-Haul. And they said, hey, we see all these people around here. We know something's going on. We're going we're gonna to try to get money for this thing. And this art gallery uh, Bansky collector had to go to the slums of New York and try to negotiate with these these guys who had stolen, you know, whatever, you know, taken whatever you want to call it, the Bansky. And it was, it was really interesting. It was really interesting. Yeah. Um, Banksy is a, an amazing artist. You remind me a lot of him. Um, but nobody knows who he is or if he's yeah. a he. Uh, what it, the, that's the whole point is, is like the, the, the lack of, the only people who know him, I think, or, or this person is the fact that they have encountered them in the subculture of graffiti artists, performing artists. These people are like, you know, the, I don't know. They're kind of like, uh, how could I explain it? It's just so cool. They're, they're um, and neat little things that pop up from the city you know like a like a like a plant that just springs up from a from a a curbside or something and it was never planted there but it somehow got there um yeah i know know he's from england you know Mm -hmm. the very the very last piece he did was balloons i think it was like balloons on the wall just said bansky and this guy tried to steal it and they were like um you're not you're not bansky you can't take that you know and they were like, what about the cops? You know, the cops came to stop this guy and they took the balloons. And the last piece is them loading the balloons into the cop, you know, the where they load criminals, you know. Mm-hmm. And somebody goes, yeah, they finally got Bansky. <laughs> well, and, it is, uh, and, it was- and that's the thing is that um, that's why I really like exit through the gift shop, because it talks about. kind of like how we were talking about uh, earlier, the idea of institutionalized education. Um, It's the same thing, institutionalized art versus people who are artists. You know, artists are not people who necessarily are going to be ever in a museum. Um, That's not the point. We had this conversation at one point, you know, I know that you would, you know, I'm like, you know, you don't, you don't make art because you want to see it in a museum. You know, you make right. art because you have to. You make art because it's a part of your soul. And and the greatest art is the is the art that you know really matters to the people that that you know witness it. You know that it, it reaches them. And and there's this thing that happens between you and them that that it doesn't matter if anybody else sees. And you know, whether there's money for it or not, the money, you know, as a professional artist, I have to make money in order to pay my bills. But the, the stuff that happens in my in my studio is priceless, man. Like I, I meet my clients and I get to know them. A lot of them become friends. A lot of them we hang out afterwards. You know, we try to find time where I'm not inflicting pain on them. Um, you know, and it's really, really, really cool. Um, that's why I love tattooing is because it's such a connector to people. And for somebody like me, who, uh, I think, you know, like you, I go into things with this, this like wonder and innocence about things. Like I, I don't always, you know, I want to say the right thing or I want to do the right thing, but I don't necessarily, cause I don't know everything. Um, but when you get access to human beings on a regular basis like that, and you get to sit with them for hours and do a really cool thing uh, that's commenting on something that really matters to both of you, I'm, I'm able to put food on my table and, and do something that's in me that I can do that 
I guess when people look at it, they're like, wow, that's amazing for me. It's, it's what I do. It's what I, I have to do and what I love to do. And for them, yeah. it's their experience. Yeah. Uh, the, the journey to tattooing, I think is really interesting um, for you. I, I remember didn't, you were like doing temporary tattoos, I think in a, in Baltimore. A Harvard, yeah. Mm-hmm. In Baltimore, our place. So it was sort of like, Oh, there's this, thing opening up you know this sort of pathway you know and you, I, I think it's awesome that you sort of went through it and you have you know sometimes when you make you know a photo or you don't see the people who see it or get the reaction or the commentary and that's sort of more of a direct sometimes you know. that's purposeful though there's a lot of people who just like to make the art and they don't really <laughs> they they don't like people or people freak them out and you know the art is the only comfort that they have and they're just so happy that people love their art enough to pay them for it and they don't ever have to interface with anybody it's not me but i guess i would have to imagine that's them you know they that's what i'm sad about like there are some artists right now that are freaking out because they're developing this AI technology and these apps so well that you can, you can pay 12 bucks and render a picture of you in, in like a, you know, 50 different versions of famous masterpieces like that, you know, they're freaking out because they're like, dude, like stop paying these people, like quit it. What are you doing? And it's just, you know, it's the live, laugh, loves of the world. Okay. A pumpkin, pumpkin spice latte is good. And it's probably, you can, you can sell it for like six bucks a pop and people will buy it and look forward to it every single year. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was on a, I was on a bulletin board and somebody made a post and was like, is it worth it for me to go out and take photographs? Because you know, this AI stuff, it's like you, either you have the passion and you yeah. want to do it or you, if you're asking you that question, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, if you're already asking that question, then no, the answer is no, because you'd already be going out there and taking pictures like that's the truth. Is that like, is it even worth it for me? Like, well, if you're already thinking that way, that's like people are going, how do you how do you tattoo somebody? Aren't you worried you're going to mess up? I'm like, well, dude, if I went into it with that thought, like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, no, I. I don't, there's no, there's nothing but success in my mind. Like I, I don't leave room and, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll little, what you perceive to be fuck ups happen. Sure. But that's why you're getting a person to do this and not a machine is because this is something that only a human being can, can deliver you. And those little happy accidents are part of the artistic expression that that is rare, that will make it so that this can never be done again, ever. So it's it's really cool. And and that's what you know, when I've seen those posts that are about the A.I., I'm like, listen, what what we do will never die because human beings, as long as we are human beings, will always want to reconnect with the source. We we it's it's just we in fact us as artists become more valuable in a world where there's that kind of ai technology because while while things get watered down that way the things that we do become more essential for people and climb in value because it's it's people will come to us very much so wanting something real and and they will pay um, whatever it costs in order to do that, because they'll have gone through all of the superficial, all the band-aids and found that nothing felt like anything, nothing gave them more than just a hit of momentary gratification. It was gone. Yeah. I mean, photography as a service is, you know, you're not going to want an AI wedding, you know, picture or, you know, I, I don't, mean, you know, who am I to say, <laughs> who am I to say, I mean, you might, you might, I mean, you might. You might, but for me, it's like, uh, I, I really don't know what most people would want to do. I really don't. I I, like the whole, is is it worth it for me? Like, those are the kind of questions that I don't even ask myself because I'm just so fucking happy to be here. Like, you know, life is way too cool. Is it worth it? Hell yeah, man. I'm in. Like, yeah. (laughs) 
my stuff is so, you know, sort of like coming from the inside, self-motivated. But I did go to a wedding, you know, recently. And I watched, you know, the wedding photographer asked a couple questions. Uh, my girlfriend's mother was like, hey, you know, you never know. You might want to, you know. And I, I'm trying to, like, I was trying to envision myself, like, doing it. I think you'd be good week. at it. I think you'd actually really like it, honestly. I love servicing weddings when I did hair for them. They're very fun. Um, the, yeah, the wedding experience, I, I actually got emotional, you mm-hmm. know, with the vows. I was like, wow, this is really, you know, you don't want to fuck that up, you know, no. of course, you know, the pictures and everything. But I, you know, I, I hadn't been to a wedding as an adult. Yeah. So I was really taking, you know, I was, you know, dancing and, you know, you paid a bride a dollar. You get all these traditions I had no idea about. Yeah. So, oh, you should look into it. You would love that because it is so vested in symbolism and tradition and, and depending on what kind of wedding, you know, like my favorite are the Indian weddings because there's so many traditions and like, they, they don't go on for a day. It's like two weeks. It's like this whole thing. There's like formal, like meals that they have. There's all these presentations. The, The groom is supposed to come in on a white horse and like, there's like all this stuff. It's crazy. The women have to get the Santa done and, there's like yeah. all this, all this ceremony. It's so beautiful. So, so all the gold, all the like fabrics, all the colors, it's just so gorgeous. And then yeah. performance. I have, oh yeah. I, I would, um, I was talking to somebody who went to India and had an interesting experience, but yeah, I asked the, uh, the photographer, like, how'd you get into it? You know, he's like, just little, you know, what settings do you use? And they were like, well, my friend was like, they need to help one day. And, you know, I, I came along and I've been doing it ever since, you know, I, which I think is a really cool way to sort of, you know, get into that field, you know, or to approach it that way. I think you'd be really good at that. Yeah. I think you'd be very good at that. Yes. And you make a lot of connections that way. That's what I liked about doing hair too, is that, and, and tattooing is that I know I'm pretty sure that if there's a profession that you would need to get in contact with, I know at least one person that I could, I could ask or because I'm just, I'm, I service everybody. Like I've tattooed everybody. I've done the hair of everybody. Like when you do weddings, you, you know, you meet people like there's people like you who show up and who ask questions or who interact or who say, Hey, come over here, get this photo. And then you get this little moment um it's pretty cool and you know you really have to get intimate with the people that you're working with too because it's a big moment for them and if there's one thing that I know that um most of my friends will spend really good money on it's the photos because that's that will be a make a break of your wedding oh it? yeah that's that's a sort of you know once in a lifetime hopefully you know mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have really good photos. I mean, I've, I've heard such horror stories of people with their photographers and, and what they've had to go through and um, you know, it's just a shame. So that, you know, thinking about what you could do for people in that way, would be really cool. I think you'd be great at it. Yeah. I, I, I was asked uh, about a couple for some engagement photos. And at first I was like, well, you know, and then well, I and you like, could go further because you would actually be good for like honeymoon kind of stuff too. Like if they wanted an intimate thing as well, you're fine with that. That too. And then I was like, hold on, I understand love. I know what love is. I know what love looks like. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I told him, you know, yeah, whenever you want to, whenever you want to do that, you know, I, mm-hmm. I understand that, you know, so, you know, I was, I was open to it. I mean, recently I, I, w- I had an idea for my son to make him sort of a king, like a prince, you know, because he's so dramatic. It was going to be like a comedy drama, you know, drama, you know, happy, sad, you know, sort of makeup and with a crown. And and I was like, well, I don't, I don't have all like props and stuff. And I was like, why don't I just do like a basic portrait uh, photo session with him? I'd never done that. I mean, I've been taking pictures of my whole life, but not in the studio setting. So we got down there and, you know, he had my hat on and, you know, he was doing poses, being himself and random. And I posted it and, you know, people really liked it. They know him. They they enjoyed the photos. And there was one where he pointed his hand at the camera that I didn't quite get in focus. And I was talking to my girlfriend. I said, you know, I really didn't get that shot. And she goes, hold on, you know, 
the model lives with us. You can do it again yeah, tomorrow. That's just I it. was like, that's right. I was like, I was like, you know what? That's right. And the next day, the the sun was coming through differently. You had to recalibrate everything, you know, to try to adjust. And you know, so once the sunlight was coming through, like rays coming through the window, and he lifted up his hand to sort of touch the rays spontaneously. And I took it back to editing Photoshop, and I'm like, well, I could put like a dragonfly in there i don't know why i thought a dragonfly but i was looking at images on google and i tried to dragonfly and i'm like well this isn't working let's try a butterfly and i put it in there it looked like he was you know touching a butterfly it looked magical and posted and people really people really enjoyed it so that's sort of the, the last thing i did but it was really it was really cool i like music i love playing music while i'm doing shoots and you know i'm really influenced by sound so it was cool to just like jam what, what do you want to listen to while we do this shoot oh you want to listen to imagine dragons sure let's yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> let's put that on you know we're still going to do the uh the prince prince one hoping i get some photo related christmas gifts you know i, I, put, I mean i have a list you know of you know things that can't be afforded but you know there's some small items yeah so you know, I like to get back to that. And I, I like to get back to, you know, more of the, you know, artistic, you know, nude, erotic, whatever you want to call it. I really had fun. It was a lot of fun doing that. And it, it, it means it's a lot to people. You, you plan it out, but things can be, only be planned out to a certain extent. Once you get there, it's like, well, what are you feeling? What, you know, you can't like poke, you know, you can pose somebody, but if they're not comfortable, it's going to show on their face. You know? Well, and um, well, and it's good that you have that register. There's there's some people that that thrive off of uh, people their their person being uncomfortable. When I did my shibari shoot, the the guy who did it with me, he's amazing, but he he warned me. He was like, "Do not do this with just anyone. There are some really." sadistic people out there you cannot just do this and this can really hurt you so if you are not in this for a very particular reason do not do not and I was like oh no no I that's why that's why I approached you the way I did that I don't have any interest in doing this with anyone but you I've seen your photography I, I like your way this this is something that I see of you I don't want anybody else this. And I, and I don't, I don't know what attachment I have beyond that, but I can tell you right now, I do not like Shibari. I like the look of Shibari. The same thing with tattoos. I do not like getting tattooed, tattooed, but I do like the look of being tattooed. So it is, yeah. it's worth it, but I'm not, I'm not in it for the feeling. <laughs> yeah. The Shibari rope, you know, sort of rope BDSM mm -hmm. things. I, I went to an event where people were, you know, practicing, you know, the art, BDSM, party, really loose atmosphere, you know, people were standing around and, you know, it's sort of an underground scene and you bring some chips and a soda and like nothing's really going on at first at these parties. It's like people standing around, but like a couple hours go by and things are starting to move. And I remember my first event I went to and I'm, I met a woman and we're, you know, getting along pretty good, you know, start doing a little something, something. And I'm like, wow, this is really great. This is my first time going in this, you know, and it's really working out. And this guy comes by who later actually did some rope stuff for, you know, video stuff I worked on. And he said, he talked, said to the woman, he's like, hey, hey you want to get suspended, you know, uh, you know, with rope. And she got so excited. She just forgot about everything that we were doing, you know, I don't know if you call that cockball. I don't know what it was, but, you know, it, it ended our thing and she ended up getting suspended. And so what happened was, I think he did it right, but she hadn't eaten. She hadn't eaten anything for hours. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So her sugar or whatever dropped and she almost passed out. So yep. it was a whole caretaking situation. Oh yeah. The, um, I experienced, uh, what I think is reaction to severe dehydration. Um, my abdomen extended, uh, like, like, like inflated, uh, afterwards I did a, a suspension uh, like inverted 
And I think because I hadn't drank enough, um, I inflamed my abdomen and it just swelled and, uh, it was really peculiar. I asked, I asked the doctor, I said, has this ever happened to you? And he's like, no, I've never experienced that. I was like, well, maybe it's just a me thing. But if I were to be realistic, I, you have to be, it's like, you have to be very, very, very in tune with that action. Like people who even just, you know, aerial artists, um, they're athletes, you know, like you have to be athletic and I, there's nothing, I was dipping my toe into athleticism. I had just, you know, lost a bunch of weight and was doing jujitsu, you know, badly. Um, (laughs) I'm like just starting and, um, you know, nothing about me. I would say, oh yeah, you're an athlete. Um, (laughs) not, no, not at all. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy all my limbs work in a, in a common sense. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I, I did read, you know, I found, you know, what you wrote about being born and mm-hmm. complications and what you had to go through. I, we played racquetball. A couple my mom, times. what my mom went through. My God, can you imagine yeah. what my mom went through being that's her first baby? Man, yeah. that's Breach. a trip. And then have yeah. a kid uh, that's in a body cast like for nine months after. Yeah. Oh. And then my brother wasn't easy either. He, he, he was born premature jaundice. And then he had like this, this huge, um, it was like a a growth on the side of his, um, neck that the first pediatrician that my mom took him to, he was like, Oh yeah, it's just a cyst. It's nothing. And she, you know, that spidey sense that, that parents have, she goes, no, that doesn't seem right. So she took him and got him a second opinion. It was staff. She had had actually had a staph infection and she gave it to my brother. Her body kicked it, but my brothers couldn't. And had they not lanced it open, my brother would have died within days. Yeah. So both of us were just out of the womb, uh, a thing. (laughs) (laughs) As if birthing kids isn't enough. I mean, unbelievable. So, yeah. We were both uh, a project of love and uh, sacrifice. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I don't know if your listeners have checked out your writing, but I'm really enjoying your your writing. And you wrote about your birth and your experience in the body cast. You had that picture, that picture. Oh, my God, that was yeah. so special. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I just I, found it. Um, it was part of a, a collection that my aunt has that I'm I'm committing to digital file right now. It's a it's a labor of love because there's a lot. I mean, there's photos in there that honestly, dude, I you want to you want to talk about Beowulf? I think these people are from that time. Like, <laughs> I have are you no scanning? Idea. Are you scanning yeah. them? Yeah. Okay. okay. That's a labor of love, dude. I have no idea who these people are it's like the photos where they can't smile because like because they have to right, sit right. forever <laughs> like it's unbelievable and the, what they wore um there's some crazy photos in there a lot of really cool photos though because my favorite era i think if i were to and i'll ask you this question because this has been a this has been a neat conversation back and forth less than i say interview but they're never interviews they're just really cool conversations that i hope people yeah. enjoy listening to um yeah. <laughs> But um, uh, my favorite era is uh like 1950s, uh, 60s kind of thing. I think that's my favorite era of uh, maybe 40s too, 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, I like the 20s and 30s, but um, it was kind of a, I don't know. There was something very delinquent about that time that I'm not like, I get it. I get it. But I liked, I liked the greatest generation a lot. Um, you know, everybody wore a suit, everybody like, you know, there was, there was like meaning to everything that people did. Like, yeah, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of, you know, there's the wife beaters and like, you know, the, the attitudes towards women. Yeah. 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 But, but man, the fashion, the, the, the look of things, the design of things, things were made to last. Like all the machinery was well-made. Like, um, everybody was kind of in it together. Like there was a pride behind everything that was done. Oh yeah. I worked at a retirement home and the women, 
just going to dinner or an event were so dressed up. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, hair and the clothing. And I'm like, wow. I mean, you look at the stuff from the 60s and 70s, the furniture, the clothing is so unbelievable. There was so much craft, you know, in design. Now people are walking around in their pajamas and, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, I went on this New York trip and there are people climbing on the bus with their slippers on. And, and I was like, is that the look we're going to rock all day in New York? I, maybe. Who am I? Who am I to say? But I'm like sitting there with like layers on, like knowing I'm only getting a day in New York. I mean, and who am I to assume? This person might be just met, meeting somebody, taking a bus into New York to meet somebody and stay there. And be like, this is just right. my transport for the day. <laughs> but like, like no, I, you didn't I ever leave telling- the house like that. <laughs> we had we had one time, we had a lot of times, but there was one time where I had leather pants and they weren't real leather pants, you know, and they did not last. But for the time being, I woke up and you were there and I said, I, you know, I really want some chocolate milk. So you proceeded to, we walked down to, you know, the supermarket and we, I literally got like chocolate and milk and we walked back to the apartment. And I think you care, I carried the milk. You had, I mean, if it was a moment, <laughs> I remember that, that I remember that was, a moment. I remember you going, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know, just very, I, I was just very like, you know raw you know yeah. just like living like a primal being you know i used to i used to like mark my face like i was in a tribe just in yeah. my apartment just yeah marking my face you know i felt like i was in some sort of different dimension you know mm-hmm. i think that first place i had that first apartment was like a different dimension is in my spirit sort of like you know really i think buildings and spaces have sort of consciousness oh yeah they do and people would just come over and like be like, "Oh, this is this feels cool here," you know, like very comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it had those low ceilings, which mm-hmm. I like, you know, makes very intimate. I had another apartment where the ceilings were really high, and it was a completely different, impersonal sort of feel to the space. I like the high you know? ceilings personally. Yeah, I really do. Um, smaller ones, I mean, I don't, I don't mind them, but I definitely, I like the, I like the <sighs> of of tall ceilings i feel like there's there's room for all my hot air (laughs) that i make i know i make (laughs) yeah the first apartment was so small you know it was just you had to sort of interact very closely i i just i really uh i really like that that sort of you know just smaller space you know the second place was you know it was cool but it didn't have the same same vibration you know Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to pause us real quick because I have to pee. Did you have to? Do, okay. I don't know. Be real. Be real quick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, are you somebody who likes to draw? Are you somebody who wants to draw better? Are you someone who tattoos? Are you somebody who wants to tattoo better? Well, then I recommend that you go to our special offer in our show notes of this podcast page. Our website is theapprenticeshipdiaries.com. And on this page, you'll find all our listed episodes. Within there, the show notes, there will be a link, TAD10. Click on there and find yourself 10% off a year's worth of the reinventing the tattoo canon it will make you better speaking of pajamas i'm totally in my pajama pants but you know when you're on zoom who cares <laughs> yeah I, I didn't think it mattered what kind of pants i was wearing you know i was like <laughs> you look good. I, you know, like if I, I have the video recording of this, so if you wanted to, we could, um, maybe I could send that to you. And if you want to fuck with it, like I'm open to that. Um, I, I appreciate it. I have a friend or two who wanted to check, you know, check it out. Yeah. 
I got myself a shirt, you know, like I already had the hat. So, you know, the bracelet is. You look good. This was, uh, That's this very was you. Mom. Oh, yeah. Actually, it was my girlfriend's and it reminded me of my mom. So I kind of hijacked it. So it's sort of like, a, you know, if somebody said, hey, man, why are you wearing that bracelet? I'm like, well, you know, it's just a remembrance. Leave me alone. You know, it looks um, it looks androgynous. It does not look like something that, you know, I would even characterize a, a bracelet, honestly. Like it just, I know that's what it is, but it's yeah. a, it's an accessory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She sort of, she sort of likes silver, unnatural, just like, you know, metal or plastic, you know? So when I saw it, I was like, oh, you know, I got to borrow that, you know, and it just kind of became mine, you know, and it's just part of, a style that I'm recovering as I recover myself. I was like, oh man, I like, you know, this is kind of style because for years, you know, while I was in a kind of a funk, you know, mental funk, I, there was no style. It was like, that was secondary to like, just sort of making it each day, you know? So, so to sort of recover that is, is like a part of me that I'm glad to have back. Did you want to talk about that at all? I know we've talked a lot about, you know, us and our but did you want to talk because i know that that's what you're coming out of and that's what's you know birthing all this new stuff yeah yeah i um i was doing all right and i i sort of i think my insurance ran out it was a combination of things and i you know i've been doing you know psychological psychiatric medication since 2012 started with like selexia and that was like really worked you know it was antidepressant and you know i really was like wow i feel good again after i went through a nine month sort of depression i got on the medication i saw a doctor and she asked me you know what'd you do yesterday what'd you eat i couldn't remember anything she said well you know you should get on this and some people have different feelings about medication but it, it really worked for me and uh i was in psychotherapy and sort of insurance ran out and i'm like well i'm feeling i'm feeling good so, you know, I'm just going to roll with it. And I, I was doing well and got into like a winter time and just loss of energy. I didn't feel, feel well, tried to get back into treatment really quickly. And, you know, it, the, the, the same medicine all of a sudden didn't work for the new person that I, I was in that situation. And I, I, I was in trouble and I, you know, I, I, ended up hospitalized, you know, multiple times in a year and, and really has some very severe, you know, situations and, you know, being in a hospital or mental inpatient, whatever you want to call it, you know, they take your phone, they take, you know, some of your clothes, you're in a hospital gown, you know, you're, you lose, you know, a lot of sort of freedom, you know, and identity. So, you know, I came out of that and, went right into taking care of my mom. I kind of recovered from the breakdowns and went back into, right into being a caretaker for my mom and then raising a kid. The first couple of months, you know, it was like, she's going to physical therapy. She had knee surgery and it was fine. I was hands-on getting, giving meals, helping with, you know, dressing, but two people you know if, if if it was just one or the other you know a kid or a parent that's fine but both and i ended up you know kind of back in the hospital and yeah. uh the girl the woman i should say that i'm with now moved in to sort of help with the situation that alleviated some things but you know it, it's just i it was on medication but it just sort of i couldn't get out of a the funk you know Ah, I know that's a bad spot to leave you guys at. There's a lot ahead. We've got another hour of our time with Anthony next week. Please join us back. It's going to be interesting. Uh, we're exploring uh, some 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 cool stuff with him in this next part. I realize that this middle section, it's kind of like the middle of any series, right? Like, it's kind of, I mean, it, it links the two, the beginning and the end. But I have to say that, that, I mean, for one thing, I think I talked way too much in this particular part of the podcast. Anthony, apologies. But it was a fun conversation, and I hope it met everyone's ears well, and it kept you all involved. 
next week's cool. Please join us back. As always, listeners, I love you. We love you. Thank you so much. And Anthony, thank you very much. This was an awesome, awesome time. Thanks for listening. You can find The Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our our listeners. listeners.